Hello, welcome to the Mind Over Money podcast. This is where we challenge the status quo as to how Americans are educated about money. I'm your host, John Moriarty. I am an entrepreneur, author, radio show personality, and a financial professional since 1995. And above all else, I am an advocate for people who want to think differently about their money and finance-related decisions. I am the founder and president of E3 Consultants Group. It is my passion to awaken your inner entrepreneur and transform your mindset about money so you can move from worry to wealth and ultimately to worthiness, where you give yourself permission to enjoy the life you have built. On today's Mind Over Money podcast, we are going to be explaining the privatized banking system. And we're going to do that through utilizing my own family bank as a case study. First thing everybody is probably asking themselves, if you haven't heard of this concept of privatized banking or infinite banking, is why? Why privatized banking? What about this is so beneficial to me and my financial situation? So through extensive research and a broad knowledge base on different financial institutions, we at E3 believe there are specific types of life insurance companies that offer specific types of life insurance contracts with certain beneficial features to a conservative saver. A properly trained financial professional can use these contracts to offer a conservative saver a tremendous alternative to traditional banking methods. Now, please understand, we are not actually talking about creating a real bank for our clients or communicating that life insurance companies are the same as a bank. Rather, we are attempting to design a financial vehicle that can mimic certain banking functions in one's personal or business economy, like financing big ticket purchases and controlling where your cash flow is stored. Now, what you also have to realize is, not all life insurance companies or products fit this specially designed life insurance contract model. Certain components must be present for your privatized bank to be optimized. One would be become insured by a mutual insurance company with strong financials. Another is use a participating whole life contract with design flexibility. The third feature would be a contract that must allow for access to the policy cash value through policy loans against the cash value while the policy is being capitalized within the first five to seven years of the policy. And then use a contract that allows for policy loans that do not interrupt the compounding of the guaranteed interest and dividends within the policy. Whether they're direct or non-direct recognition loans does not matter. The point is we do not want to interrupt the compound growth of the guaranteed interest and dividends. Very few life insurance companies have all of these components. And this is why we at E3 strive to educate our clients about these strategies, about the way in which money can work to optimize your financial situation. It's also important to note that there are several other organizations in the financial services industry that not only believe in this strategy, but actually help support a movement to get more clients to control their banking functions. So at this time, I'd like to thank 
several of those organizations. One would be the Nelson Nash Institute. The Nelson Nash Institute was created by Nelson Nash himself and David Stearns, Carlos Lara, and Robert Murphy. Nelson Nash embarked on his journey towards economic freedom by studying Austrian economics and bringing the concept of infinite banking into the mainstream so that financial services professionals like myself and others at E3 could begin to think differently about cash flow, opportunity cost, and the proper storage of one's personal wealth. If you want to learn more about Nelson Nash and the Nelson Nash Institute, I encourage you to visit infinitebanking.org and you will learn much more about this unique organization. Next, I would like to thank the incredible team of Todd Langford and Kim Butler for their willingness to share their ideas with the financial services community. Todd is the creator of the Truth Concepts software. Many properly trained financial professionals who understand the details of structuring privatized banking systems for their clients utilize Todd's software as a way to help explain the concept in straightforward facts and figures. If you visit truthconcepts.com, you can learn more about the software's capabilities. Also, I'd like to thank Kim Butler, who is the founder of Partners for Prosperity and the Prosperity Economics Movement. She is a leading author, speaker, and advocate on topics related to privatized banking strategies. You can find several of Kim's books on Amazon or her website, Partners, the number four, prosperity.com. Kim also writes articles and speaks at various industry events to educate the public on various financial myths. And last, I would like to thank Garrett Gunderson, who is the author of two critically acclaimed books, Killing Sacred Cows and What Would the Rockefellers Do? He is also the founder of The Wealth Factory, which is a family office that serves entrepreneurs in their efforts to control their economic destiny. If you're an entrepreneur and looking to get to the next level in life, visit wealthfactory.com and see if their resources could benefit you. Garrett is a tremendously talented individual whose abundance in sharing his knowledge has allowed the contents of his books to highlight the benefits of cash flow banking. After you finish reading any of his books, we highly recommend to search for you to search the internet and start to focus more on ways that you can master the wealth creation factor within your personal or business economy. Okay, so now that we've uh, done those acknowledgments and set up the, uh, the purpose of why behind privatized banking, the next thing we're going to do is share with you an actual case study involving my own personal family situation. So the Moriarty Family Bank is going to be the topic of today's discussion. Enjoy this podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited about today's podcast. So we've talked about the concept of privatized banking on different podcasts, and you've heard me mention different uh, authors like Garrett Gunderson and uh, his book, uh, What Will the Rockefellers Do and Killing Sacred Cows. Talked about Kim Butler and several of her books talking about life insurance and the, uh, the concept of privatized banking. So a lot of times when we're discussing this topic or this strategy with our clients, 
we invariably get the question of, well, John, what do you do with your money? Or is, is this something you would recommend to one of your family members? And so what I thought I'd do today is give almost a, a show-and-tell answer to that question and to the listeners of our podcast. So I'm going to walk through today the Moriarty family privatized banking system. And any of the information I share today, I'm, I'm happy to provide you details and numbers and everything behind it. I'm, I'm an open book. So if you want to see any of the numbers and the details, the, the spreadsheets and the Enforce illustrations, all that information, you can do so by requesting it via email at info at e3wealth.com. You can uh, send me a tweet at, at e3wealthstl, or you can go to our Facebook page, E3 Consultants Group. Any of those ways you can get a hold of me, and uh, we will provide you whatever information you want to see. First thing I want to do to start talking about the Moriarty family privatized banking system is, is talk about the purpose of our specific privatized banking system. There are specific reasons that I have set those, uh, set those different policies up for our family. The first reason is we want to store capital in a safe financial institution that provides access to those funds. So I'm trying to put money in places where it's going to be very similar to setting money inside of, say, a bank account or a savings account, CD, money market. But I want that money to be liquid. And the second thing is I want that money to be able to earn a competitive yield on my capital compared to other safe money alternatives like cash, money market, CDs, fixed income, bond mutual funds, individual bonds. In today's economic environment, it's very difficult to get safe money to really earn you anything. When you have um, bank accounts earning you less than 1%, you have bonds that really aren't too far behind that, we're trying to find a way to get money to stay ahead of taxes and inflation. And this strategy, I believe, over the long term, we'll be able to do that. Um, the third reason that we're setting up our own privatized banking system is I wanted to design a financial vehicle that created uninterrupted compound growth on our capital while also allowing us to leverage the utilization of our capital for other investment opportunities or big-ticket items. To me, that's one of the biggest benefits of this type of strategy long-term, is to have a place where you can put money, it's working for you, but then you also have access to it and it doesn't interrupt that growth. So here's a quick review for some of our um, listeners in regards to the different types of returns that we, uh, we focus on when helping our clients. Because there's three different types of return. There's internal return, external return, and eternal returns. The internal return is your um, rate of investment earnings, your return on investment, your uh, total return on a particular asset. It's your income and appreciation. That return is objective. You won't know the total return until the end of the investment period because it could change over time. The external return is more of a return on cash flow. That return is more subjective, and it's more in your control. You can actually create this type of return by optimizing your financial picture. So an example would be if you can get more of your monthly cash flow flowing into your control, actually changing the direction of where money's flowing. So if you have money flowing to financial institutions like banks, finance companies, credit cards, 
and you pay those off, then you would increase the cash flow coming back to you and you can reallocate those dollars to another purpose. So that's what external return would be in our definition. Then eternal return is not just the estate that you pass on to your family, but it's the, the time, talent, and capital. It's the resources. It's the knowledge that you pass on. And passing on knowledge about money and financial-related decisions in this economy, in our mind, is paramount. So we focus very hard in our family about educating our clients on the way money works and then how to utilize money properly. That is part of the third reason for the purpose of our privatized banking system. The fourth reason that we set this up is I believe in life insurance. I believe in utilizing a financial vehicle like whole life insurance through a mutual insurance company because it's going to provide me a death benefit. It's going to provide my wife a death benefit for policies on her. And that death benefit is there to protect our family while our two children are minors. Right now, our son Harry is 13 and our daughter Kate is 10. So while they're young, I want to be able to replace any income that I'm generating or replace income that would be needed for the role that my wife plays on a daily basis if something happened to either one of us. But I also want to focus on creating a legacy that provides multiple generations of Moriarty's the capability of being productive members of society. In our current financial situation, we have lived a life where we've gone from worry, right, survival, Maybe you're focusing on scarcity. You're focused on getting debts out of the way and just basically getting back to even. We've gone from that period of time early on in our life from worry to wealthy where you're experiencing success. You're dealing with your ego. You're focusing on net worth. You know, you're, as everybody uh, talks about, what's your number? You know, what's that dollar amount you're trying to get to in retirement? That journey from worry to wealth has gotten me to think more about continuing beyond just focusing on being wealthy. It's actually focusing on being worthy. Worthy where you have a purpose, you have a utility to your dollars, you're actually looking at abundance. You're focused on creating value, you have an entrepreneurial mindset, and you're looking to own asset classes that generate cash flow. To me, that is a huge aspect to the benefits of the privatized banking system. And when I wrote my first book, Understanding the Secret Language of Money, back in 2014, I had a, a discussion in the book about first-generation wealth. And so I went and I did some research, looked at the, the Forbes list of the 100 richest people, and I realized that the makeup of that list was very interesting. About half of the people on that list were founders of a business or, or what I would call just an entrepreneur. And about half of that list, so the other half, basically made their money from family fortune. They were second, third, fourth generation um, family members who had continued that wealth building into, into worthiness. I believe that building your own privatized banking system can add value to your personal and business economy no matter if you're creating first generation wealth or improving your family legacy. And I can't prove this but I'm pretty confident 
that out of those um, family members, out of the half of the people on the Forbes list who made their money through their family and continued to grow that fortune, I would imagine a certain large percentage of them used life insurance in some capacity to continue growing their family wealth. That's the type of thing I'm talking about for our family to build the first generation wealth. Now that I've set the stage for the purpose of the Moriarty family banking system, I want to focus in on the, uh, the dollars and cents behind our family banking system. So currently, we own four banking policies. Um, we have three that are on my life and one that is on my wife, Ellen. We have two of those policies that are owned by uh, my business LLC, my operational LLC. And then we have two policies that are actually owned by um, irrevocable trusts so that the death benefit is out of our estate, but they're designed in a way that we still have access to the money for utilization purposes. That, uh, that particular strategy is... Um, was designed by our estate plan attorney. It's something we could talk about on a different show, but the bottom line is we have structured things that way for both asset protection as well as utilization of the dollars that we are contributing. Of those four banking policies, we didn't just set those policies up right away. We actually built them over time. Um, I started structuring our first uh, private banking policy back in 2009, um, did a policy for about $20,000 a year going into it, um, had some cash value from another insurance contract that we uh, exchanged into the policy, transferred in, and then in July 2010, we set up our second policy. Um, so we did a $75,000 annual policy on my wife, Ellen, also had some money from another policy that we exchanged in. And then in 2012, August 2012, um, set up our third policy, put in about $55,000 a year into that one. Um, that one was a little unique because um, the, the first policy I, I put in place was on me. second one was on my wife. The third one here was on me. But I wanted to really make sure we had an adequate amount of insurance uh, based on income needs, income replacement, those types of things. But also planning into the future should I want to get um, additional coverage or, or new banking policies. So this policy, I actually added a $5 million 20-year term rider to this policy. So it was structured a little differently because I had a lot more life insurance than what was actually needed to optimize the, the, the privatized banking component of the strategy. Um, so I did this one with a little bit more death benefit focus, but also knowing that I have the ability to convert that term at any time and turn it from term coverage to permanent. And then the fourth policy we put in place was in July of 2015. I added a $100,000 a year policy with a um, specific type of contract that's very dividend-driven. Um, I, I put this into place within our business, and um, when you add up the four policies total, it adds up to about $250,000 a year that we are putting into our privatized banking system. 
over the last almost eight years, so if you go back to September of 2009, it's been about eight years, um, we have contributed a substantial amount of money. We didn't start putting $250,000 a year in right away. I started putting that money in at increments of 20000 then 75000 then 55000 then 100000 to build it up to 250000 right now. But we've had a ton of activity within that policy. Um, you know, over the eight years, we've put um, almost $1.1 million of premiums into the policies. We've had exchanges from other policies, cash values of about 183000 So total capital we put into the privatized banking systems, um, a little over $1.27 million. Now, at that same time that we are putting money in, we've also utilized it. So we've taken over 20 different loans from the policy um, totaling over $1.43 million. And then at the same time, we've made over a million dollars of loan repayments. And we've had close to $80,000 of interest charged on us um, for borrowing against those uh, policies. We still have an existing loan balance of just over $500,000. We've got a net cash surrender value of 629000 of those four policies. And we have net death benefits of almost $14.2 million, of which about $5 million is term, and the other $9.2 million is permanent whole life coverage. All of those figures are as of May twentieth, two 2017. I wanted to give you the dollars and cents of it because when you think about what we're actually doing with these dollars, you start to understand the utilization strategies. So for our Moriarty family privatized banking system, we're looking at specific utilization strategies. We're looking to improve our cash flow. Every dollar that we can be saving, we're trying to get into our banking system so that money's working for us different ways. We're looking to minimize our income tax liabilities. I only want to pay taxes on money once, and whatever amount of taxes I pay, I want it to be the least amount legally possible. We are looking at ways to optimize wealth creation and utilization. We're always trying to figure out ways to get $1 to do multiple things. We have a very active um, giving platform uh, to different charitable organizations where we believe in the causes and the founders' passions. So we want to use our uh, private banking system uh, for, those, for those giving purposes. We also want to create a legacy that will span multiple generations. So that's where we focus our energies when utilizing a privatized banking system. Now, I want to give you a few examples of what we've actually used that money for. I mentioned that we have um, actually taken 20 different loans from the policies uh, in the past eight years. I like for people to understand all the different things you can be using your money through policy loans in both your personal and your business economy. So in our personal economy, we've done substantial and numerous home improvements. Um, in the area that we live in, St. Louis, uh, a lot of old homes. Our home was built in 1890, so it has a lot of character but also needs some work. And we've used that, uh, that money in our privatized banking system to do all of those different home improvements. Um, we've taken several family vacations with those dollars. We've um, 
done several charitable donations. We've actually, uh, our, our family set up its own family foundation, a non-for-profit, excuse me, called the John E. and Ellen M. Moriarty Family Foundation. So we, we set it up as a non-for-profit, so we've taken money from our private banking system and borrowed it, borrowed against the cash value, moved that into our um, family foundation, been able to get tax deduction for that, and then we donate money to uh, special 501c3 causes that are not-for-profits as well. We've done personal loans to family members, truly being a family bank, getting those uh, family members to pay us back at an interest that is beneficial to us as well as beneficial to them. And I've actually taken a few golf trips with dollars, uh, gone to Scotland, gone to Bandon Dunes in Oregon. So the utilization of this money has gone beyond just, you know, having money working for you. It's, it's really gone to having money create enjoyment in your life. In our business economy, we've been a lot more strategic with the dollars. Um, I have taken money out of policies through loans to do uh, purchase of office furniture. We've looked at ways to upgrade our technology and software. We have done a couple different expansions of our office, our corporate headquarters we actually did a build out on. Um, we've got close to 11,000 square feet in our corporate headquarters, so we've, we've made a few um, improvements there. I have actually purchased tax practices using our privatized banking system. Um, I've taken money from policies through policy loans, borrowing against the cash value to make down payments on tax practices and then gotten additional financing from um, different banks when the uh, purchase price was more than the cash that I had on my policies. Um, I invested in a uh, restaurant, uh, which not necessarily saying that's what people should be doing, but uh, this restaurant is in our local community. It's about less than five minutes from where I live. It uh, has a, had a great track record of people that were running it. Actually, it was rated in 2016 as the number one new restaurant in St. Louis. But it was something that I did beyond just an investment dollar amount. Um, I've also implemented several tax strategies with dollars from my privatized banking system. I, con I contribute it to a deconstruction strategy, uh, which... I've talked about, uh, actually in our first podcast, um, as a thinking differently uh, concept, um, that is something that's going to enhance my tax benefits later on, explain that on another show, as well as I've actually paid my income taxes from uh, loans on my policy. Uh, that is a way in which I get money into my policy. I save it because I know I'm going to have to pay taxes. I borrow the money back out and still have the ability to earn that uninterrupted compound growth. To me, that makes a lot more sense to be using a policy that way versus just setting money aside, writing a check to Uncle Sam or the state of Missouri, and then the money disappearing and never working for me again ever. If, if you start to think about all the different things I just listed out, because the Moriarty family has its own privatized banking system in full operation. We're now eight years into our structure. Our most recent policy is two years in, but um, we are a lot further into this because we started it several years ago. 
we are really able to take control of several areas of our financial picture. You don't think about this a lot when you're utilizing these types of strategies, but this is something that I think about all the time and I try to educate my clients on. Because our family has this privatized banking system, we have severely limited our need and usage of banks. The more capital that we have available to us in our privatized banking system, the less we are relying on a bank. We really only rely on a bank to pay bills. All of our saving and financing of big ticket items are done through our private banking system. I've also been able to add diversification to my business holdings because of the capital in our private banking system. As I mentioned before, I've purchased several tax practices between 2012 and 2015. I acquired four different tax practices to create E3 tax. The external return through cash flow on those investments is somewhere between 10 to 20% based on the, um, the EBITDA generated from the, the, the different tax businesses. And that doesn't even factor in the strategic benefits to our E3 business model by us having an in-house tax department. Also, the, the restaurant that I mentioned, Olive and Oak, that uh, I was an equity investor in, that's generating somewhere between an 8 to 10% external return plus the societal and ancillary benefits. So when you start to realize how your privatized banking system can give you the and effect on your money, what I mean by that is if, if I'm earning an 8 to 10 to 20% uh, return on money in my business and I'm earning, say, 3 to 4% from my private banking system, now all of a sudden... I am really getting my money to work for me in a almost a leveraged capacity. Leveraging your capital so that it can benefit from the good habits that me and my wife have had to be able to save money. We're not worrying about the time value of money. We know that we can put money somewhere, we can store it, where that money is going to be safe, it's going to be liquid, and it's going to be working for us. And then we can decide, do we want to take that money out and invest it? Do we want to take risk with it, get some type of internal return, or do we want to spend it? Do we want to minimize some type of opportunity cost? Do we want to get an external return on those dollars? When you start to think about the long-term potential of this type of system, it goes way beyond the 3 or 4% after-tax um, return that our private banking system is able to add to our capital. I'm going to get as many dollars to flow into our policies as possible. So it can all create a bigger benefit in our personal and business economy. So again, I, I talked about the numbers before. Let me, let me just walk you through a couple more examples of, of the numbers, the, the things that we've been able to do with our money. So this is the think about this. This is the same process that people have today when they're putting money into their banks. Okay, your banking account, your checking account, your savings account. So over the last eight years, we've our family's been able to put one point two seven million dollars into our privatized banking system. We know when we have been able to take out one point four three million through twenty different policy loans against our cash value, and then at the same time we've been replenishing 
the policy cash value because we've taken uh, a little over a million dollars and repaid that back to our policy. So while we were we put 1.27 million in, took 1.43 million out, put 1.01 million back in. The whole time we were doing that over the last eight years, we were still earning uninterrupted compound growth on the 1.27 million of capital that we have been putting into the policy over the last eight years. This is something that the wealthiest 1%, the wealthiest 0.01% understand. This is something that anyone can do if you set up your own private banking system. The other thing you have to consider is that 1.27 million of premiums that we put into our private banking system has turned into $9.2 million of permanent whole life insurance death benefit. That is a 7.2 uh, times leverage on our dollars. 1.27 into 9.2, that's about 7.2 times or 720%. That type of leverage is what family legacies are built on. That's what the What Would the Rockefellers Do book by Garrett Gunderson talks about. When you're using life insurance to build a legacy, most people think, well, that is only going to benefit my kids when I die. The death benefit is only going to benefit your kids, but what about the ability to use your cash and have it working for you while you're alive? Is that not important? Can you not also create other wealth for your family through your businesses, through other business ventures, real estate, franchises, whatever it might be? If you have the long-term patience and know that you have short-term accessibility to your money, that can really change the dynamic of how you're building your wealth and creating worthiness. Even though I've taken money out and I still have a policy loan of over, policy loans of over a half a million dollars, I still have access to probably 629,000 of cash surrender value, which is about 82% of my net capital. You know, if you look at premiums minus loans plus the repayments minus the interest charged, I still have about 82% of my dollars still available. Now, as the years go by, my net capital is going to definitely exceed 100%. So I'm going to have, there's going to be a point in time where I'm going to have access to more money than what I put in, true growth. And that's going to continue to create that real growth equal to a 3 to 4% return on all of the premiums that I put into my policy. A lot of people get stuck on the element of loans and they get stuck on hey there's interest there's an interest cost that is true because of my loan activity we have been charged eighty thousand dollars in interest over the past eight years so the 1.43 million in loans and the 1.01 million in payments all of that had been done where interest was being charged at five percent so there is an eighty thousand dollar interest cost that is an opportunity cost and I can pay that back either through cash flow, paying off the interest and after principal. I could pay it back with a cash surrender value if I surrender the policies. Or I can use my death benefit as leverage and pay it back when we pass away. Now that interest is going to go to the insurance company, not into my policy. So right now I am not in a hurry to give it to them. This is still a very cheap way to access capital in today's economy because I am still earning dividends and interest on all of my premiums. 
that opportunity cost associated with the life insurance policy loans, I still believe it's a better cost than if you had other asset classes or bank financing where you were dealing with volatility, inflation, taxes, liquidity restrictions, administrative fees, having to apply for loan approval, all of those things that you don't have to deal with with privatized banking really makes this type of strategy attractive. Now, once again, I've talked through a lot of different numbers. I've gone over a lot of different things on our, uh, on our Moriarty Family Bank. So if you want to see any of these numbers for yourself, all you have to do is email us at info@e3wealth.com. Send me a tweet at e3wealthstl or reach out to us on Facebook at e3consultants group. And I will send you a summary of each of our policies, a summary on all of this information I just went over. You know, I am an open book when it comes to this show and tell routine. I believe in this strategy for my clients who have the same mindset as I do. And I hope that by sharing this information, you will be open-minded to educating yourself about privatized banking. This is something that I have experienced over the last eight years and in talking with hundreds of other financial professionals and talking with thousands of clients over time. What I have realized is once I started thinking differently about my money and really understood how I can take control of the banking function, all of a sudden, I started making financial decisions that were in my best interest, that were in my family's best interest. That's what was prioritized. To me, this gives me more confidence. It gives me more control. And it also allows me to make decisions based on money with more clarity. If that is something that you're looking for, I think you should really consider reading our book, Building your own privatized banking system. I can send you the ebook, or you can you can find the um, the book on um, Amazon. And if there is any particular questions that you would have about this concept or any other concepts we talked about, feel free to reach out to us. Really appreciate you listening to the podcast today. Hope you found this information educational, and can't wait to uh, come back and talk to you about a different topic on the next podcast really soon. Thanks a lot. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us via email at info at e3wealth.com, via Twitter at e3wealthstl, or find us on Facebook at e3consultantsgroup. This material is provided for informational purposes only and is educational in nature. It should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. A financial professional must have a complete understanding of someone's financial picture in order to advise and act in their best interest. Please consult with a financial professional, tax advisor, or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Specific investments may not be deemed suitable for all listeners, and this podcast should not be deemed as an offer or recommendation of any investment. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, 
and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Both are located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia, 30005. Kalos Capital Incorporated and Kalos Management Incorporated do not provide tax or legal advice. Neither E3 Consultants Group, E3 Wealth, or E3 Tax are an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.